TransferWise founded and launched back in 2011 after a TechCrunch article. They first they saw first 2,000 euros or pounds go through the platform. They said, wow, we're onto something here. Fast forward to today, 4 million users, 4 billion kind of, or 3.9 billion sent and received every single month. They just obviously raised about a year ago, 280 million bucks to move into some other product lines and geographies today, working on borderless accounts, debit cards, and just including and continuing the erosion of banking by having faster speeds, lower costs, and more convenience. This is the Top Entrepreneurs Podcast, where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn. Each episode features revenue numbers, customer counts, and other insider information that creates business news headlines. We went from a couple hundred thousand dollars to 2.7 million. I had no money when I started the company. It was $160 million, which is the size of many IPOs. We're bootstrapped. We have like 22,000 customers. With over 5 million downloads in a very short amount of time, major outlets like Inc. are calling us the fastest growing business show on iTunes. I'm your host, Nathan Latka, and here's today's episode. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Tavit Henriquez. He is the co-founder and chairman of TransferWise, the international money transfer platform with over 4 million customers and valued at over 1.6 billion. It makes sending, receiving, and spending money around the world as cheap as possible at the real exchange rate. They call it the mid rate. We'll talk about that in a second. He previously built Skype as the first employee from Estonia. He's also an adventurer, disruptor, and investor. Tavit, are you ready to take us to the top? Yes, let's go. So you're early at Skype. You're getting paid. You're walking up, waiting in a long line you, in Estonia to this payment. And you look at what you were supposed to be paid versus what actually showed up. There was a big difference. What happened in that moment? So, yeah, I mean, I was, uh, I was building Skype and I had moved from Estonia to London, but I was still getting paid in Estonia. So every month I walked to my bank in Estonia and they said, yes, Mr. Tavet, we're happy to send your money to London. We're going to charge you 25 euros. You know, it's doesn't sound like a great deal, but do I have a choice? No. And then I do it and I go to London and I go to my bank in London. I get my account statement and I look at it and I see two surprises. First one is I received much less money than I thought I would. You know, I looked at, you know, whatever, a thousand euros minus 25. So I look on Google for the exchange rate. Turns out it should be 800 pounds. Typically I got 750. So I, I realized that the exchange rate that banks use is very different to the exchange rate that is being used uh, at the financial markets. And typically, banks hide a fee between 3 4 5 6 7% in the exchange rate. And second surprise was it takes forever for the money to arrive, three, four, five days. I mean, we're in the 21st century. Emails go instantaneously. It makes no sense for money to be so slow. So after having realized that, I met Christo, who later became my co-founder, another nice Estonian guy. He was living in London. He, did money. you meet him through Skype or this was just like through an accelerator or a, what, a startup? Oh, yeah, no, we actually just met through friends. Okay. You know, we probably met at a party, started Drinking chatting. buddies. Uh, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. But, <laughs> you know, we, uh, and he was sending money back to Estonia. He was living in London. And he has the same experience. He went to a bank. He stood in line. You know, in London, it was much, horror, much, much worse. He spent an hour in line. And then, you know, the same thing happens. So we started talking about it. And we realized something is wrong here. Like, there must be a better way. 
So next month, what we did is very simple. I sent money from my account in Estonia to his account in Estonia, and he sent money from his account in London to my account in London. That's a local transfer, so it's fast and free. And we looked at Google for the exchange rate to use, and boom, very quickly, we have saved thousands of pounds in bank fees, and we had this good feeling about having cheated our bank. That's a good feeling. <laughs> that can be a good feeling. Typically, so it's the opposite. Yeah, your big break. So your big breakthrough here was you realized money didn't actually have to cross borders. You could essentially set up banks in each each country, transfer money locally, and then you basically crowdsource the other side of it, and then boom, it's done. Exactly. Yeah, super smart. Okay, so that's kind of the start story. For the listeners, I want to give a kind of a flashpoint in time and where you're at today so that people can understand growth. Then we'll go back and capture more of the story. Last public update you gave, I believe, 4 million users, 4 billion processed kind of every single month through the platform. Where are you at today in terms of those numbers? That's where we are. I mean, literally when we, you know, when the story I spoke about was in like 2007, seven, eight. we actually, uh, you know, then we we were using this method between us and a few friends. And a couple of years later, we were like, hey, wait a minute. There are many other people around the world who are in need of a service like this. And we think we can do something to help them. So we built what I would call a prototype, a minimum viable product. And we launched it in January of 2011. And when we launched, it was me and Christo, just the two of us. 15 minutes after launching, the first guy sent us 2,000 pounds. Kind of moment though. Holy! How do, you, how do you find you though? Uh, we had an article published, what was back then a little blog called TechCrunch, <laughs> and then you know, they called us the Skype money transfer. And turns out there were people who were willing to trust a website which just appeared with a few thousand pounds of their money. But that was that was a strong enough signal that we were like, "Holy cow, this could work!" Yep. And it was like, "Okay, how quickly?" Can we really build it and scale it globally? So seven years ago, it was the two of us. Today, we're a team of 1,200 people around the world, moving $4 billion, $4 billion every month. And that's still the starting point. You know, if we look at how much money moves around the world, we have a long way to go. How much is it per month? Uh, what do you have of the total market right now? Uh, I can tell you in terms of countries. So in UK, we have more than 15% market share. And that's pretty cool because there are not many, if, if any other fintech companies, which have a market share as high as that in any given country. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in UK, we're going to keep on growing from 15 to 20, 25%. We have another 40 markets where, you know, we have to get to 10%, 15%. So it's a long way to go. And Tavi, just to be clear, that 15% number, that's you're basically adding up all the dollars coming in and all the dollars going out of the UK every month. And you're saying we make up 15% of that goes through TransferWise. Uh, the 15% is from the number of people who send money from UK, 15% ah. use TransferWise. Okay. Now, do they, are they typically, though, big transfers? If you do that in terms of dollars, is it still representative? Yeah, it, it, it definitely is. I mean, an average user sends, sends thousands of dollars at a time using TransferWise. So, it's, you know, it's typically people who either have uh, lived abroad, worked abroad, Maybe they still have family abroad. Maybe they have a, maybe they have another apartment abroad. So it's typically, you know, more than what you see in people people using in Western Union or, or any of these services. In fiscal year ending March 2018, it was reported and announced. I think you guys passed about 100 million bucks in revenue and a first year, I believe. Congratulations, profitability. You know, to the tune of about I think 
8 million after tax in terms of profit there. Number one, are those numbers fairly accurate? And two, how important is that for you guys to turn a profit? I mean, you know, if our financial report wasn't accurate, something would be severely wrong. So these numbers are as accurate as it gets. Okay. Uh, how important is it to turn a profit? Kind of yes and no. Uh, you know, what, what we're really what's driving us is to keep on growing this company in the long term. Mm. See, you know, today we're moving 4 billion a month. That's 48 billion annualized. You know, can we get to 100 billion annualized? Can we get to hundreds of billions? And we feel really good about getting there. That's really the goal. However, being profitable is pretty cool because that means we're completely in control of our destiny. There are not many companies of our scale that are fast growing and profitable. So you know, we like it that way. David, as a, as a consumer that's a potential user of TransferWise, when the main pitch is revolving around three kind of key components, which is, you know, how fast can TransferWise, you know, send money faster than my bank? Is it cheaper than my bank? And is it more convenient than my bank? Uh, you know, speed, it sounds like you're, you're killing it there. Cost, it's hard to understand for the average person, I think, but you guys do a good job of laying this out on your website. However, the, the, the optics, when I see that you guys make profit, even if you are significantly cheaper, I'm going, wait, if they're making profit there, even though the banks are making way more, they're not passing all of their you know, upside back on to consumers like a Bezos would do who constantly manages Amazon at a negative 14% margin. Um, why aren't you passing more of those costs off to your consumers and, and continuing to operate in the black? You, it sounds like you guys can do this. This is why you've raised so much money. I mean, I, I would, uh, you know, maybe you should update your knowledge on Amazon. I think they've been profitable for the past uh, quite a number of quarters. Uh, you know, it's, it's a good point to raising, but I actually think that it's to the benefit of our consumers that we are a profitable company because that means they can feel sure that we will be around for a long time to come. Because if you look around today, there are many, you know, I would say way too many companies out there that are being funded by venture dollars that will never break even. You know, it's kind of ridiculous that you can order an ice cream pay $1 for it, it'll get delivered to you in 15 minutes. You know, that's only because some venture capitalist is paying for ice cream, mm-hmm. which, you know, you should enjoy it while it lasts, but don't, don't bet on it lasting forever. So I think it's important for our consumers to see that we're profitable. It's important that we don't become too greedy. And I think we're, we're pretty good at it, you know. And in terms of prices, you know, we have done a large number of price cuts this year because we've seen we can do things better than we thought. So obviously we're gonna lower the price and make sure we're passing on these savings to our consumers. Yep, I wanna dive into an example of this. Uh, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong here, you're the first non-bank to get access to Bank of England's payment system, which is essentially allowed Christo to basically negotiate almost a 30 you know, X cheaper rate versus how you were having to do it in the old way, which is go through a bunch of middlemen. And then it sounds like you maybe pass that through to consumers by decreasing kind of the rates that you're charging to consumers. Uh, is that accurate? And how did you get access to the Bank of England's payment system? Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, and that's, that's really, uh, it's a really important milestone we reached a couple of months ago. So now uh, in, in, in UK, maybe taking a step back, in UK, we've had a faster payment system for about 10 years, which means that money moves between UK banks in real time. UK was one of the first countries to have it. I mean, now many countries have it. US still doesn't have it, which is you know, a, big, a big mistake, I think. And uh, when the faster payment system was launched in UK about 10 years ago, there was a number of about 10 banks that were kind of founding members. And no one else has been added to Fast for Payments since then. 
until we became the first new member and first non-bank to be added. What that means is that we get to play in the same terms as the banks. We can move money inside UK in real time, and the cost of that is really low. And obviously, you know, what this means is that our customers get even faster speed and we can pass on the savings to our customers. So we're pretty happy about that. And, and so walk me through why this hasn't, you know, the U.S. kind of is trying to do real-time things. You know, obviously Canada is trying to do things as well. I mean, how long until you get this kind of direct access in Canada, U.S. and other big markets? Well, I think in U.S. the question is, when will U.S. have a real-time payment system? You know, people are working on it, but it's still a good few years away. And But what this does highlight, highlight is it's a question about regulation. And UK has a financial regulator that is really driven by bringing innovative solutions to the UK consumers. It's one of the few regulators that has innovation as part of its mission statement. And I think it's really important because it means they're actively working on making sure there is more competition and people have more choice. You know, the example of getting access to the payment system is one of them. You know, it's really, it hasn't happened in many other countries yet. It did need a regulatory change. And we spent a long time with the Bank of England and the FCA to make sure we can do it. You know, it's obviously, given that it's a critical piece of kind of national infrastructure, it has to be controlled somehow. So, you know, it shouldn't be that every startup that gets started yesterday gets access. But, you know, at, at a certain point, you should, you should be eligible to get access. And I think yeah. that's where regulation can play a big role. You know, U.S., I think there's a long way to go to make regulation simpler. You know, we are subject to state-by-state state regulation in the U.S., which is a big pain in the backside, you know. It, ta- it took us multiple years to go through the regulatory process and a few million dollars, you know. Whereas- no, but does that mean you have to, do you have a bank in every state in the U.S. or can you just have one bank in the U.S. to do your system? We work with, we don't need a bank in every state, but we have a license in every state to operate in. I see. And just to, you know, to finish this point quickly, you know, as a comparison in Europe, we are regulated by the regulator in UK and we can passport our license to all European Union member states. That means one regulator gives us access to 500 million people, whereas in US we have 50 state regulators. So, you know, it's, pretty, it's a pretty big difference and quite an important one. It's interesting. Um, want to ask a question about funding, and then I want to move to kind of your new products, including the debit card, including borderless payments. So Series E, November 2nd, 2017, about a year ago, you raised 280 million bucks, called a 1.6 billion valuation. IVP was kind of a lead there. Quick question for you. A lot of times when companies kind of get to your scale, get to this kind of, you know, Series E, you know, and onwards, you start obviously getting secondaries where early folks want to get out. You know, uh, what I'm curious about, I know you guys haven't released an exact split, but would you, is it fair to say more than 90% of that 280 million actually went into operating and growing your Asia footprint or was more than that going to second, you know, paying off early folks? So it was a split, you know, we, we, we frankly raised money, uh, not because we needed it, but because uh, we were already profitable, but, you know, we saw it would be a good thing to have a slightly stronger balance sheet for the business, you know, as we continue expanding around the world, it's good to have more money in the bank. And just make sure that to our partners, to our customers, we are a much more trustworthy partner where you have certainty it's going to be around for a long time. At the same time, you know, I remember hiring the first people in 2011, you know, telling them, hey, guys, you know, you know, we have this crazy idea. We're building this kind of alternative way to move money. It may work. It may not work. You know, I'd love you to join the journey. We can't pay you a high salary. <laughs> Take <laughs> equity. 
but, you know, we promise that you know we'll give we'll give you options, and if the company does well, then you'll do well. So it was really important to actually show people that you know that these options are worth something. So we had a bunch of early employees be able to sell a part of their a part of their vested options. We had early investors sell. So I think you know net net it was a it was a fantastic deal for everyone. You know, kind of letting some of the tension that builds in a cap table of a company, and you know, inevitably happens over time, letting some of the tension out, providing new capital to the company. Tommy, and- were you feeling from that tension? Sorry to cut you off, but were you feeling any p- pressure to go public from that tension? And this was a way to alleviate that and stay private. Uh, I'd say that's a little bit of a stretch, but it could lead to that. Yeah. If we if we think about the world today, then. You know, doing secondaries is definitely a way to push it further out. And but you know, but I think besides that, is it is it really important to make sure that you actually do do kind of cover your word and you know make sure that the people who did believe you seven years ago to do get a return if they want to at that point in time. Yep. Uh, once you get on the venture path, as you know, it becomes a, a cycle, right? And you see kind of a, a something happening every kind of 12 to 16 months. This was about a year ago you did this round. Are you currently raising an additional round of capital? No. I mean, the money, the money we raised last time is sitting on our balance sheet. You know, we've become, All of it? We've become more profitable since then. You know, we keep on reinvesting as quickly as we can. You know, frankly, we'd, we'd love to reinvest more. The best investment we can make is hiring people. We've hired about five, six hundred people in the last year. We keep on doing that faster and faster. So, but, but you know, just to be clear, that two eighty, all that is still sitting in the bank on your balance sheet. The, the portion of that which your company raised is sitting on our balance sheet. Yes, got it. You mean the sum obviously was secondary, but the rest it's still in the bank. Yeah, that's great. Um, okay, let's focus on new products. So you talk about the erosion of banking. These guys used to be fiefdoms. You kind of have asset management, which Wealthfront and Betterment are kind of going after and some others. You've got money transfer, which you're playing in. Obviously, there's some other, you know, World Remit Revolt. There's some other players there. And then obviously, you've got kind of debit cards, credit cards, things like that. Walk me through uh, the, let's start first off with your borderless account. So and we'll touch a bit on blockchain here. So your borderless account, is that kind of your version of blockchain or is it more of a multi kind of currency brokerage account where you can hold multiple currencies kind of at once and then exchange when you see fit based off when you see favorable rates? So uh, I think, you know, really we, we need to take a step back and, you know, we started out with consumer mind transfer, you know, helping, uh, helping consumers and later on businesses move money from one country to another. Suddenly so as we were kind of learning uh, the behaviors of our customers, we realized that, they still have to work with two, three, four banks in different countries. So we're in a, and you know, and nobody was particularly happy about the experience they're getting. So we thought, wait a moment, you know, why why don't we offer them a way to keep a balance of transfer wise in multiple currencies? You know, today you can get the multi-currency bank account, but typically that means you either have to pay your bank a lot, you know, it could be hundred bucks a month. Or you have to be like a top 1% customer, in which case you pay your bank a lot anyways, whether you know it or not. So it's really about giving our customers kind of more convenience and kind of taking a little bit of a, of a bigger, of a bigger, like being able to help them more in their banking journey. So the Portalize account allows you to keep a balance in a number of currencies. You can exchange them in one click. You also have a debit card which you can use, which has launched in Europe already, and is coming to US early next year. 
you get a debit card which you can use to access the balance. So it's like a little, it's like a little global bank account for people who are living an international life. A clever thing, though, I believe about this debit card. I mean, if I'm in the U.S., it'll use, that debit card will basically know my where I am somehow, and basically I will use my U.S. account. If I happen to be in Germany, it will use whatever my Germany account is. Is that accurate? And if so, how do you know my my location? Absolutely. So whenever you put your car in a terminal, the terminal will try to take money in the local currency. So we make sure that we take it from your local balance or we do least least cost conversion. So we look at, you know, if you're if you're debiting mo- debiting money in euros, so we'll have a check, okay, you have a dollar balance and a pound balance, whichever is gonna be cheaper for you to exchange from, will you set if my euro is empty, if it's empty. Exactly. You know, yeah. if you because typically if you use a regular debit or credit card, you again you get stung a few percent every time you use it. And you know, believe it or not, there are still banks out there who, in addition to having a few percent charge, will will take another 50 pence or 50, 50 cents every time you do a foreign transaction. So it's a complete ripoff out there. Yep. Why, why we're out of time. I want to get one last question. This goes kind of the macro economy of just world economics. Remittances are obviously huge. We're seeing immigration all over the place, people sending money back home to people that kind of couldn't immigrate over. Can you share, I don't know if you actually can share this based off how you have your data laws set up, but can you share, I'm curious, where are you, what stream, when you look at your total $4 billion you're processing every month, which stream from which kind of first world country to which third world country is strongest each month? You know, US to Africa or China to India, or what's the strongest stream? So for us, actually, it's not about first world to third world. It's really, you know, most of our money goes from first world to first world. Oh, our, wow, big, okay. our biggest corridors are between UK and US, UK and Spain, UK and Germany. Which you know, direction, out or into UK? Um, so UK is still our biggest sending country. It will be overtaken by US very soon. But today, UK is the biggest sending country. And the biggest corridor is, U- is from UK to Euros. To all over Europe. Interesting. Any bre- Brexit, re- Brexit related? I mean, if anything, Brexit will only increase the amount of money flowing. Good. Yeah. I would say. Yeah. yeah. We also like we do send quite a bit of money to India, you know, but we send money to India from UK, from Singapore, from Japan. You know, we send money between Singapore and Australia. So, but it's the majority of what we do is between first world and first world. What's know, the biggest about- receiver though? To the you said UK is the biggest sender. Who's the biggest receiver? Uh, I don't know top of my head, okay. but it's, uh, it could it could be it's most likely to be another developed country in that sense. Interesting. Uh, one last question I had here because it relates to blockchain. Many people argue blockchain decentralized. It sounds like you have that taken care of. The other thing is autonomous, right? Or or you're, you can sorry, not autonomous, anonymous. <laughs> Would you ever invent a product that is essentially you know decre- like removes? I have to actually identify myself in order to use transfer wise. No. So you yeah. will, there will always be an identification. You have to because your partnerships with the Bank of England and these other people, they wouldn't, they wouldn't do that otherwise. You know, we are in a highly regulated industry. We have uh, more than 50 regulators that uh, oversee what we're doing. Money laundering is a hot topic to, in the world today. You know, we have to do our duty to make sure the world is safe. We have to ma- make sure that as a company, we can keep operating for the next decades to come. 
Guys, there you have it. Tavit, TransferWise, founded and launched back in 2011 after a TechCrunch article. They first they saw first 2,000 euros or pounds go through the platform. They said, wow, we're onto something here. Fast forward to today, 4 million users, 4 billion kind or 3.9 billion sent and received every single month. They just obviously raised about a year ago, 280 million bucks to move into some other product lines and geographies today, working on borderless accounts, debit cards, and just including and continuing the erosion of banking by having faster speeds, lower costs, and more convenience. David, thanks for taking us to the top. Thank you.